Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wisdom 4. Divine wisdom behind tribulations. Hakimul Ummah rahimahullah said, Though generally we consider suffering and hardship to be divine tests or trials, the true reality of suffering and hardship is that they are ultimately a means of attaining the highest degree of closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as well as true comfort attaining the hereafter, which is inshallah Jannah itself. The divine wisdom will be made manifest to all on the day of judgment. However, dear friends, the divine wisdom, spiritual realities and mysteries that lie behind human suffering are constantly being made apparent to the Arifin, meaning the Norse of Allah, in this very life. As a result of the continuous manifestation of divine realities upon their hearts, the Arifin no longer perceive various hardships and sufferings as tribulations. They instead see them as divine blessings. The Arif is one who recognizes Allah through his perfect attributes while recognizing himself through his human deficiencies. And with that, threats the path to Allah in complete obedience to the Quran and Sunnah of Rasulullah Commentary. A clear example of this may be found in the story of Musa and Khidr in Surah Kaha. The example of what we just spoke about, this wisdom in reality, how it plays out in life. The story shows us that there is much more to the events of our lives than what appears superficially. So whatever you see apparently... It seems, the causality of it seems that it happened because of this. But there's a divine wisdom behind that, right? So there are different, you know, uh, causalities for everything. For instance, you know, a simple example. Why do we pray Salatul Dhuhr at the time of Salatul Dhuhr? We pray Salatul Dhuhr at the time of Salatul Dhuhr because that is when the time of Dhuhr entered, right? And we pray Asr at the time of Asr, it is because that is the time when Asr starts. Maghrib, because right after sunset is the time of Maghrib starts. So what is the cause of us praying a certain Salat at a certain time? It is because that is the beginning of that time, right? As Jibreel in a long hadith came to the Prophet and he demarcated the beginning time of a salah and the ending time of salah. Right? So in simple example, Maghrib we pray, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, In the salat kanat ala al-mu'minina kitabam mawquta. That each and every salah is written for a prescribed time. Now that is the apparent causality of a salah being prayed at a certain time. But in another hadith, the Prophet said, that at the time of Fajr and Asr, right, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changes the shift of the angels. So hence, a believer should be engaged in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now that's the spiritual reality behind it. At the time of Dhuhr, in the hadith, the Prophet sallallahu says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens the doors of the heavens. 
that's the spiritual causality behind Zuhar being prescribed for the believers at that time. Right? And in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that those people who pray Isha and Fajr, meaning at the time of darkness, they go to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then give them the glad tiding of complete nur on the day of judgment. And there will be no other nur other than the nur given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the spiritual causality behind the salah being prescribed at that time. So when is the zahir, the apparent cause of a certain thing happening, the way we see, the way it appears to the normal eye, to the naked eye. And one is the spiritual reasoning or the divine wisdom and will behind certain things happening. So that is what the author is talking about. Sometimes to those people who get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only makes, obviously everyone sees through the naked eye the cause of a certain thing, but those who get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like the Anbiya salatu wasalam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens their eyes of their qalb, of their heart, right? So their spiritual eye is opened up. So now they see the spiritual side of, the, of those a'mal. Like the Prophet ﷺ was able to see for different salawat. Like the Prophet ﷺ told us about different ahkam for hajj and everything else. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the ability to see the spiritual side of things. He had the spiritual vision. Right? So those, those people, may Allah make us from the arifin. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Arifin are who? They are those people who get connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By what? By following the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to the point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Hadith Qudsi that they follow to the point that their eyes become my eyes. Meaning, whatever they see, they see only at those things which are halal. And they don't see it haram. Their hand becomes like my hand, meaning what? Meaning they only do use their hand and the abilities and the faculties through the hand, whatever you can do, only in those things which please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their feet become my feet, meaning what? They use this physical ability and faculty that every human being has to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an arif. What every faculty that is bestowed upon us as human beings, they use it in order to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? That is, may Allah make us from that. In the example of Khidr salam and Musa salam, the story in Surah Al-Kahf, there was one companion who upon suffering a broken leg succumbed to sadness and grief. Shortly after his injury, the incident between Muawiyah and Ali radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with them, took place. This required that he chose a side in the ensuing battle. The companion excused himself from both sides due to his injury. Subsequently, both sides accepted his excuse and the companion became extremely happy with his injury and suffering. He would go on to say, Alhamdulillah, min All thanks be to Allah who purified my hands from this blood through the injury in my leg. I swear to you, if people were to reflect over the divine wisdom and the benefits of hardship and suffering, 
they would realize that many of its benefits are reaped in this very world. If we were to understand this, we would not consider any tribulation to be a hardship. Rather, we would look upon it as a divine gift, a bestowal from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most high himself. In these two stories, inshallah, we'll finish with this. There's a lot of reflection to talk about. But in short, in, in summary, in, in the story of Musa and Khidr, three incidents happened, right? What are those three incidents? In one incident, right, and then subhanAllah, see, another thing to learn is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give every knowledge to every being. For every different sphere, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a certain individual, a being assigned for that. Jibreel alayhi salam's job is what? To bring the wahi to the Anbiya alayhi salam, right? And to explain the wahi and expound upon the wahi. What is the job of Mikail alayhi salam? It is to make sure that everybody gets their rizq. Right? Israel alayhi salam's job is something else to take the souls of, of people. Is, uh, Israfil alayhi salam's job is what? To blow the trumpet. And there are so many malaika that Allah has created, they're innumerable. And every Malaika of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every angel has a job assigned, a duty assigned, right? That they have to fulfill. So they do that, right? They fulfill that. Just like that in this dunya also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had assigned Anbiya for a reason. And there were other rusul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for other reasons. Khidr was one of them. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has two different nizams, if you want to call it. Two different orders that run the world, right? One is the taqwini and one is the tashri'i. The taqwini nizam, in English, I think the best translation would be the cosmological order, if you want to call it, right? The cosmological order of how things happen in the universe, in the cosmos. One is the tashri'i or order, is the ahkam, praying five times salah, doing hajj, right? So for the tashri'i, for the sharia. To be taught to the human beings, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam. Like Ulul Azm from the Anbiya are what? Musa alayhi salam, Nuh alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasalam. Their job was what? To expound the sharia to the human beings. How a human being can become successful in his life and her life. And now another uh, order is running, if you want to call it the natural order, the cosmological order. And that order is being taken care of by other creations of Allah subhanahu And there are other rusul taking care of that. Khidr salam, for instance, is one of those rusul. He did not deal with the tashri'a, nizam, the order of the sharia being taken to the people, but he was more so dealing with the taqwini nizam, right, the cosmological order. So in that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had, when Musa alayhi salam, somebody asked Musa alayhi salam, Oh Musa, who is the most knowledgeable person on earth? So Musa alayhi salam, in his limited knowledge, he said, it is me, I'm the most knowledgeable. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately wanted to teach Musa alayhi salam that no, right? That we have only given you a very little knowledge, O oh Musa, and he's talking about who? Musa Kalimullah, the one who spoke to Allah, 
Forget about you and me. Allah gave us ilm, inshallah. Ameen. So this is Musa. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately admonished him. Right? And this is a very small thing. It's not even a sin, actually. Because in the knowledge of Musa, salam, he is being given why? He was being sent revelation from Allah. So obviously, he is the most knowledgeable. But Allah immediately teaches Anbiya a higher purpose. Right? Because their maqam is higher. So he says, no, go to Khidr. <laughs> and learn what, what knowledge I have given Khidr now. So long story short, he takes Yusha salam, goes on a journey, finds Khidr. And Khidr does these three things. And he says, Musa, don't ask me what I'm doing. If you ask me, right, then I'm going to send you back. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So he says the first one, he, he's go, they're going in a ship, and he makes a hole in the ship. He damages it. And it is an intuitive quality of a Nabi, that when a Nabi sees something which is zahir, and the apparent, which is, you know, uh, harming someone, on the apparent, it is against Sharia. Right? You're not allowed to, uh, what do you call, uh, harm anybody or anyone's property. Right? So how can you harm someone's property? The Sharia is, a Nabi works according to Sharia. So intuitively, Musa salam objects to what Khidr did. Intuitively, that's Musa as a Nabi. Khidr says, you already asking me what I'm doing. I told you not to. Right? Say, okay, no, 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 please. I forgot. Please give me another chance. Strike one. The second time, say, okay, what happens? Musa alayhi salam and they, they go to, uh, you know, uh, there's a child. The children are praying, there's a child. And uh, Khidr, what, uh, what he does, he takes the life of this child. Musa, again, taking the life of another person is not allowed, right? In Sharia, that is a sin. Nobody can do anything against Sharia except an angel or a Rasul who is above Sharia. Nobody is above Sharia, no human being. The point is, Khidr was from working in a different realm, right? A whole different cosmological order. So, but the idea is what? On the apparent, things are different, the causality of things are different, and on the inner, the bottom of things are different. And that's what the story reveals. And then he said, what did you do? You did something which is not allowed. He says, again, Musa, again, strike two. So Musa says, okay, one more chance. Strike three and you're out. So he says, okay. Then they go to a village. Nobody hosts them over there. And then Khidr, he makes a wall over there. It's a massive wall. He constructs it and he doesn't take any. Uh, you know, any kind of payment for that. Musa salam says, we're tired. You should have taken some form of payment. So Musa, strike three. You're out. <laughs> You're out. He says, okay, the zahir looks what? The zahir is what? I am harming the boat. The zahir looks what? I am taking away the life of the child. The zahir looks what? I am doing a favor to people who don't deserve a favor. Right? But what is the batin behind it? What I'm saying is the causality of things. One is the vahir. That sometimes we go through difficulties. We go through sufferings. We go through trials. We go through problems. That is the apparent of it. But internally, there's another reason for it. Here, what was the reason? In the first case, Khidr says, I did that because there was a king up ahead. Whenever he sees a boat which is not harmed, which is not defective, 
he's going to take that vote for himself. Hence, I protected him. On the apparent, it looks like I did not protect him. I harmed him. But if you look ahead, if you have the whole picture in front of you, then, then what would you say? Was it loss or benefit? Benefits. And the second one, Hizr says, I took the life of this child because the parents are Muslims. But this child was going to grow and become a rebel and a kafir and going to take his parents away from the path of Islam. And Allah wanted to protect the parents and the child. Both. Some of, according to some ulama. Because when a person dies as a child, what happens? Where does he go? Jannah. There's no hisab. There's no kitab. Right? So the child is saved in a way. And the other, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to bless them with another child. And that child is going to take them to where? Towards Jannah, inshallah. So to a per someone who has the whole picture, what do you think is better? Obviously, to who has the whole picture would say the second scenario is better. Third, same thing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to benefit. There were, two, there were orphans over there who's pious, who had pious predecessors. That's why they say when you do good deeds, when you do good things, good a'mal, salih things, it carries on, the good effect of that carries on for generations. There were, their, their forefathers were pious, and Allah wanted to protect the wealth of these orphans, because it was underneath that wall. So Allah SWT instructed, right, in the cosmological order, someone like Khidr to go and do this job for them, right? So, same thing in the other story of Muawiyah and Ali, long story short, the Mushajarat of Sahaba that happened, but we can talk about it another time. This Sahabi, what did he do? He, he did not want to go either. Ali is also Ali. And Muawiyah is also a Sahabi of Rasulullah Both Sahaba. Which side to choose? It was obviously it's a difficult situation. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a difficulty. He wanted to get out of it. And his leg broke. What did he say? What is, he said, Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, my leg broke. I have an excuse, I don't have to join either side. You see, so this is very important, very, to think about. Whenever we go through a difficulty, whether in reality, whether it's a Muslim or a non-Muslim, for a non-Muslim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through that difficulty, is pushing them or propelling them to think about a creator, right? To think about the higher being that controls the cosmos. People are on their knees, governments are on their knees because of an unseen virus. Who's controlling this virus? Who sent this virus? Who's the creator of this virus? What? We see that the biggest and the strongest governments are what? On their knees. Right? You can't do anything. It's un <laughs> SubhanAllah. This is the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It shows that nothing is powerful. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. He's the Rabb of everything. He owns everything. He, he holds power over everything. Right? So we need to understand Allah has a bigger picture. Who has a bigger picture? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we go through trials and tribulations and difficulties and problems, right, then we should say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, and try to be patient as much as possible. Right? When we lose patience, then we should remember Rasulullah Then we should remember these stories that Allah has a bigger purpose. Might be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving my sins. Might be I committed sins which I never asked Tawbah for, and I'm being forgiven and being cleansed through this difficulty. Might be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give me Jannah, a higher maqam of Jannah, and I cannot stand up in Tajud all night. I'm too weak. 
I'm too weak to stand up with tajid all night. I'm too weak to fast all day. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making me go through difficulty to reach the same maqam as someone who fasts all day and prays all night. Right? So everything has a purpose. Everything has a causality. Even if we don't understand something, trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trust the Creator. Trust the divine will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in everything, which is qadam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and ability, inshaAllah. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين جزاك الله خير